All right, welcome everyone. Uh, if you're new with us, special welcome to you. Um, it's wonderful to have you, part of this family, and um, just sharing in his beautiful word tonight. Um, so, as you know, we've been looking at the book of Ephesians, and wow, right? I'm just going to move this a bit back. Um, unbelievable, right? What an unbelievable time it has been um, looking in this book. And it's amazing that as you just just in three chapters, right? We've we've unpacked it, and um, it just affirms us that in Christ, two things: we find out who we are and what we're living for, and it clears all confusion and it nullifies all excuses. It is that powerful. The first three chapters are absolutely an affirmation of who we are as a church and what we're living for. Okay? It's, we, we look at that and, we, and, and the, the affirmation of the church's position in Christ, we cannot deny. Okay? Does everyone agree with what we've been hearing, that generosity of God's power in us, enabling us in all ways, giving us everything we need in order to live out what he's asking? Incredible. God is the author, right, and the power of the universe, which we know. And we, we start to under, understand ourselves and our lives in direct relationship with who he is, right? We, we actually find out what, who, uh, what our identity is and what we're living for in him. And um, it, we, we find out the character and the working out of God, in Christ. And what wonderful knowledge, true knowledge to have of what the author and the, the uh, power of the universe is thinking and what he's up to. Right? It is such a privileged position. And so to me, I find it um, hard to, to think that if we call ourselves the church, that we uh, can possibly be unconscious of what God is doing. It's, it's impossible. We have his word, we have the spirit, and we have the body. And um, so I, I pray tonight that we are awake um, to the position that we have in Christ, as we've heard. But now, as I feel like we're coming into chapter four, it's almost like now this is the appropriate response to what has been given. Okay, because the presence of God coming into the church will have to practically be outworked in our daily lives. This isn't an airy-fairy, beautiful idea. This is a power that comes in, establishes it ourselves, and sends us forth. Okay. Um, <clears throat> Christ in us saturates us, and I said here, the disturbing. Sometimes it's disturbing. I don't know. For me, it's like, oh, to think that you're using us and me as a vessel to demonstrate something beyond what we can comprehend with our minds to, to not only the earth, but the heavenlies. It's disturbing, but it's true. <laughs> and that he sees us and he actually holds us as his special possession. And that more so that as God's people, his church, 
Um, we are chosen to witness the covenant and the character of God to the world. It's incredible. My favorite verse probably in the whole of Ephesians is one twenty-two, and it says, He put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of all things over the church, which is his body, the fullness of God. Now, when I picture that, I go, okay, God the Father has given Christ all things under his feet, and he is now the head over all things over the church, who is his body. So all things are under Christ's feet, and we are his body. Yeah, right? So Jesus really does make us feel like we're on top of the world. Okay? I know that's cringy, but no, seriously, I had a moment the other day, and I was like, if you picture what it's saying, guys, is that the church is the body of Christ. We don't separate. When we hear Christ, we hear the church. And he loves her, and he is not apart from her. Powerful. Before I kick off um, the chapter 4, which is um, from verse 7 to 16, I really I just want to remind us of the word that Steve gave us last week about affirmation and acceleration. And I love that Joe brought it up this morning, and you'll, you'll hear a lot of uh, same, same, but different with Joe this morning, which is amazing. It's the spirit, you know. But um, I, the chapter 1 to 3 is affirmation. And if we can truly receive what we heard, truly receive in our innermost core, it will enhance the core being of this church. And it will brighten us to the true knowledge of what God is saying and doing. Chapter 1 to 3. Chapter 4 onwards, um, like I said, is the practicality of what this looks like in our daily lives. But this is where the acceleration comes. But listen, we're not going to increase and accelerate if we, if we haven't received the affirmation by the Spirit. Okay? So I love how in chapter 4 it says, Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling in which you were called. So this is Paul kicking off saying, Now that I've, I've shared with you the wealth of God's investment in the church, I urge you to walk worthy, that your lives are in uh, are, are walking in a way that is worthy of what has been given to you. Um, and then he, he goes on to say, uh, with all lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Verse 4, there is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Christ is the center and the circumference of everything that exists. Everything that exists. He is the center and the circumference, which means... Huh, the church lives in the circumference of who Christ is. Her life is swallowed up and found in him. So the question, how then do we practically walk 
out the worthy of this calling. And this is where we get to verse 7. Okay, and so what's, what is just amazing to me is that Paul's now saying, it's time to get your relationships in order. And who does he start with? The members within the body. And if we follow on the chapters, it then it, so it goes walk in wisdom, walk in love with one another. As Joe said this morning, it's, it's the way we are to be with one another before we do as such. But then it goes, then look at your own relation, your, your um, husbands, uh, wives submit to your husbands, husbands love your wives. Okay, then children, parents obey. So it, the relationships that need to get in order, because there is an order, it, it follows from church. Look at the design of the body. Look at the gifts and what I've done, how I've placed things in order for the power and the life of Christ to come through you. So, verse 7. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. gift. Okay? But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts. First thing I want to pardon. Oh, is that okay? okay. <laughs> I thought I said the wrong verse or something. Um, first thing about the gifts, the spiritual gifts, is that it's calling us all to be engaged into the eternal purpose of God. It's, it's a call to be engaged into the eternal purpose of God. That we are not to be spectators, but to be partakers. Partakers as Christ, listen to this, is the source of our service. Okay? It's not to... I have a terrible feeling that that's my phone. If someone grabbed that... <laughs> That sounds like my ringtone. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, that Christ, it says, um, but to each one of us, okay, so to each one of us, we are to be engaged in the eternal purpose of God, that Christ himself is the giver of gifts. He is the source of our service. So when we come together and when we are serving and whether it's in our, our gifts or our talents within the body, we each have a gift. We each have a gift mixture to be engaged in God's eternal purpose. But it is a source from Christ. It's because of our life in Christ that we serve. Okay, not to um, do it out of obligation or to, to please anyone else, but because of who Christ is and what he has done for us, Right. It then goes on and it says, um, oh, sorry guys, give me one minute. The, the, and this is what Joe was also sharing about today, is that we've all been given gifts, 
okay? And that they are different in nature. There's a variety, but it is with the same purpose and the same calling. And um, that it's, it's variety, but the, the things that we all have in common is what matters, okay? So we've all got been in one baptism, one faith, right? One Lord. This is the, the oneness we all share in that, that is important, okay? But we have the different gifts. Then it goes on to verse 8. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts, gifts to men. Verse 9. Now this, he ascended. And what does it mean? But he but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. Now, this is referencing um, Psalm 68, and it talks about when, when a king would go to war, when he triumphed, he would take the spoils and he would take the captives uh, back to the homeland, and he would, he would come back into his homeland and he would lead this procession with, his, with the spoils and with the captives that he's bringing back home. And he would go to a high place and then he would share the spoils out to the people. Okay, so we get this picture of Christ who, who as we all know and appreciate, died, okay, so that he left his place of heaven, his place of glory. He descended, came down, and then he ascended. So he filled the earth with himself and all things. Okay, but in that, we know that Christ won the war. He is victorious. And so it's talking about how Christ, after he ascended, he went to the high place. Now remember, I think it was in, in John, he says, um, don't touch me, I still need to ascend. The Holy Spirit cannot come until I have ascended. And so it's this picture of now that Christ is victorious and he has the spoils, he has won, he is triumphant from the high place, he disperses his gifts, okay? And it's this beautiful picture of Jesus being the gift giver. So the source of gifts, but also the, um, that it cost him, okay, for these gifts. You know, it also says that um, it was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And again, it's this... this um, this thing we hear that Christ gives the gifts with intentionality, with he's proportioned faith with the gifts for the for the gift to be outworked, which means that every gift is different, but the, the proportion of faith that is measured out to each member is different. But it's in accordance with the gift that's been given to be worked out. Does that make sense? Um, and and so even the the thoughtfulness that has gone in for Christ to give to each member what is needed for the eternal purpose. But it's that way of en engaging the body into the eternal purpose, okay, that he's outworking. I um while I was sitting in this I I just was overcome with a sense of um 
how much of the, ch- the church, how we can still operate from the world's way of doing things um, and ignore the gifts and the gifts become void, but they've been handed out, personally handed out to each member of the body as, as new workmanship in him. We've been created to do works that have been pre, pre, prepared for us to do. But how, if we, if we see, and this is how the message puts it, um, that the, the church is not peripheral to the world. The church is not peripheral to the world. The world is peripheral to the church. Okay, so with, when to appreciate the gifts that the Lord has handed out is to, to wake up in the morning and be engaged in the church's ultimate purpose on the earth. It's to wake up praying and believing for all things for one another. It's, it's waking up conscious of what God is doing in, in the people around us. And it's engaging in that and not letting the world be our center view, telling us how to prioritize our lives, telling us how to do things, how to, what's important, what's not. No, the church should, must be in the forefront of our minds, in the front of our hearts. Um, because if we, if we put the church on the side, and when I say the church, I'm talking about us, even within this room, if we put us to the side and focus on our own lives, our own households, our own responsibilities, um, and, and turn away from the very gifts that have been given to us to engage us as a body to be one, it is unfaithful and disobedient to the Lord. And, you know, the world, as we know, is on a slippery slope to destruction, okay? It's dying a slow process of death, and yet somehow we let the world tell us how to live, right? As though it has any idea how to do this. (laughs) And I know it does not. I've been there, okay? Um, And that's why I think Paul says so clearly in Ephesians 2, those to you to those he made alive, alive. Dead people don't need a teacher. Dead people don't need a guide. They need a savior who will resurrect them from the dead ways of the world and usher them into the new way of living, which is the church being one body and functioning in accordance to its calling. Okay. So I want to ask us tonight, Are you found engaged in God's eternal plan? Are you working energized by the Spirit alongside fellow co-heirs in this room? I was thinking about it today, you know, as a body and as one and with with each person having different gifts, the manifestation of the Spirit, which is the evidence of God working in us, are we sharing in a co-heir experience? Or is it about what you do, what I do, we exchange now and then? Or is it, are we sharing and communing in the co-air experience? Because that will change everything. It won't become you and me, it's together. Um, And so I want to ask us, are we engaged in this? Are we finding ourselves engaged into what God is doing in us as a whole? Globally, what he's doing in his church but are we waking up to that daily? Like I said, praying 
in the morning, conscious of God and his purposes? Are we setting up our day and prioritizing time, energy, prayer, thought, talents, gifts towards the building up of the body? I want us to think about it even now. How much time in our day is spent regarding the body, regarding your leaders? How much of your week is spent thinking about building each other up with one purpose in mind? It's a big call and it's a high call, but we've been given everything to love so generously and so abundantly, right? Verse 11, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying, uh, which I've put in brackets, the internal strengthening of the body of Christ. So we hear, we hear a, the first wave of gifts, that is to equip the saints that, that the saints would all use their gifts, right, to build the house up, okay? And we, we hear these, the first wave of these gifts are gifts that are in men, that, that come and they, they um, share with a heavenly perspective on what, who the body is and where we're going, the direction we're moving in with the eternal purpose in mind. And so, again, as a body, do we appreciate these gifts in the house, the first wave of these gifts that are absolutely needed to point the body in the right direction? I was thinking, um, watching Mia Bella and how she's meeting her milestones, so she's a year old now, but, you know, it's amazing. If you look at a baby and when, when the baby first comes out, in a car, no. <laughs> um, um, but when a, when a baby first comes out, you know, the, the first thing you're looking for is the strengthening in the baby's neck, is when the baby holds its head up, okay? And then the next thing, it sort of moves down the body and it's um, the baby being able to pull itself up, okay? And then it's getting into the crawling position, right? And then it's the strengthening in the legs to stand up. And... Uh, I just, it was like the Lord just gave me a picture of the gifts, the first wave of these gifts, the, the apostle, the prophet, um, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. It's like the strengthening from the head down, okay? It's a strengthening of the body to, to go from the viewpoint of on the ground, on the earth, to now stand up and look up, right? It's, it's not only just um, knowing our position. See, the church, we need to understand our position first in Christ, And before we're, we're called to war, we've got to learn how to walk, okay? And before we can walk, we need to know our position, okay? And so that this, this is how I um, can picture and view these, the first wave of these gifts. That's like how I like to call it because it's, it's, it's these gifts that strengthen and internally build up the core of the church, the backbone of the church, the, the strengthening of the church. And it starts from the head down, Okay, is, is that an okay picture? Um, <clears throat> see, the, the Lord is the source of our service, the source of the gifts, who laid his life down, who triumphed in war, who, um, the, who paid the cost of the gifts that were given to us. You see, these gifts, they're not airy-fairy, 
okay? They're not, do I have them? We don't take a test, guys, to, that went around for a while, like test your gift mixture. We are as unique, each member is as unique as our fingerprints. Can we hear that? As Joe said this morning, we cannot replace one another. We are absolutely as unique. The, the gift mixture is as unique as our fingerprints. As we know, we don't all have the same fingerprints. Okay, and so we have a place. We belong. And we, to engage in what God is ultimately doing, we have to play our parts. And we have to know that there's a design of those first gifts that have come in for the strengthening and the building up of us. Hallelujah, right? There's a design. It's not all over the show. Okay, God is intentional, and he's intentional about making us new from inside out. Okay, and that's why he gets right in there. Okay, when, when um, the Lord spoke to Greg and said things are going to change and they're going to shift big time, it's going to start anew, and it was in the heart. Okay, because he's interested in renewing from the inside out. It's a thorough work, guys, but it's glorious, isn't it? It's glorious. So the cost, cost of the um, Christ's life for these gifts to be distributed means that we each hold a responsibility to minister to the life of the church. Okay, we need to make that a priority in our lives daily, practically, is to lay our lives down for one another, to see each other as God sees us, to honor the Christ in each other. Okay, to encourage one another, to seek him out and to allow him to build us up with the building word, the blessing word, which we have heard of. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 13. So we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. <laughs> What an amazing verse. I'm going to read that again. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is the monumental effect of if we engage in this way and as each member uses their gifts they've been given from the Lord, appreciating that it has come with a cost, that they will cost their own lives, lay their own lives down to engage in this process of what God is doing and building his body up, we will come and experience the fullness of God. And I feel like it comes... it. It is so confronting, that statement, that it actually asks us the question... And let's allow the Spirit to, to be honest with us. Do we really want the fullness of God? Because if we do, what it's going to look like is what we've just talked about. Is your whole life's purpose being found in Christ, in the eternal purpose? It's waking up daily and going, the relationships in my life, I'm going to align myself I'm going to align myself to the leadership in this church. I'm going to honor my brother and sister, even the one that irks me. I'm going to lay my life down to see that this church comes into the full stature of Christ. 
because I want him. I want the fullness of him on the earth. What are we hoping for? That's another question I've been thinking about. Oh, you know, I hope one day I get to go to Hawaii. <laughs> I say that because that would be cool. But, but listen, it's, that doesn't motivate me. That doesn't motivate me to do anything. What motivates me is to think that we, we have been given the privilege to live in such a way that it could invite the fullness and the presence of God on the earth that it will demonstrate something beyond anything we could ever imagine. That's a hope. And if we, if we want that, then we have to engage in this way. We have to own what the Lord has given to us and not an ob- obligation, but because he is the source of life, the source of love, the source of power. And he has enabled us in every way to live this way, a life worthy to the calling. Um, how are we doing for time? Right. Can we play that video? Cool. I'm just going to play a little video. And then I'm going to wrap it up. (laughs) Like, it's funny, but it's sad. It's so far from what God is doing in once. And that is so self-absorbed. And so living for oneself and what oneself needs. You know, the wealth of God's investment, when it says the, the, the measure that Christ has given, it's not, it's not just, oh, do I feel that he's done that? It's like, that's what he's done. The world is so about how I feel. It lacks all endurance, faith, the power of God, the backbone of a body. And we are not that here. (laughs) We're pursuing the fullness of Christ on the earth. And so these words need to take a do a work in us that we now see that our lives and our daily lives are either, and guys, this is how cutthroat it comes, our lives are either contributing to God's eternal plan or it's not. That's as simple as it is. If you live for yourself, it's, it cannot contribute to what he is doing. If we're not going let him to let him build us, it's not contributing. Or we can live contributing engaging verse 14 that we should should no longer be children tossed to and fro carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting deceitful plotting are we planning services that are going to put bums on the seats are we planning things in a way that it's it's luring people into what we're doing, what we're building? No. No. We can't afford it. We can't afford it because we'll be held accountable. 
And so this is, we're hearing the, the, the negative side to if we don't engage in what God is doing. And this is what God is doing here. If we don't engage, we will find ourselves being tossed to and fro with different teachings, the, winds, the wind that takes us how, with how we're feeling, what suits me now, what's speaking to me now. It's the body. It's the body the Lord's looking at, and it's him. He, he becomes the context of our lives. So no longer do our circumstances give meaning to our lives. Christ gives meaning to our lives, okay? Because we live in Christ, who is the center and circumference of all that exists, not our circumstances, We are no longer unstable. We are not susceptible to being led astray. You know, it says in Ephesians 2 that the mood and the manner of society is ruled and governed by the prince of darkness. Again, it brings us to, am I living in the mood and the manner of the world? Because that's whose rulership I'm under if that is the case. If I'm living unconscious to what God is saying and doing and um, disconnected to the body, in isolation. No, we are to be woken up to the life, the source, being brightened by the hope of the calling. Verse 15, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Every part does its share. Causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We are all called to share our parts, and what this does is it contributes to the growing up of the body, of the church. When we all play our part, then love can mature and form and become into the fullness of Christ. Okay? <clears throat> but every relationship must be in order. And that, again, that's only something the Spirit can reveal to us as individuals of, of what, what is my heart attitude towards people? Because really, it's reflective of our heart attitude to the Lord. Because everything is found in the direct relationship of, with Him. We, we discover who we are, what we're living for. Okay. Hebrews 12, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness without, in which no one will see the Lord. I love that verse because it's saying... If you don't make pursuing peace and oneness and, and make being made set apart as individuals but of a body, none of us will see the Lord. So how much motivation is that to getting alongside one another, making sure that we're keeping each other in the bond of peace, as Joe was speaking this morning? You know, having the conversations if we need to have them, where there's offence, coming and, and knowing that love is covering all things to be that honest, to be, you know, to, to go there with another. Because love goes places where nothing else can. Okay, but it has to be, these things have to be valued in our heart for one another. 
because of Christ, who is the source of the gift, who has cost, um, the gifts have cost him, okay? And these gifts have impacts, which is what? It's the maturing, the building up of the body into the full presence of Christ and who he is. One last verse I want to talk about, um, and that's just to almost like another motivation of um, why the gifts are so important within the body. 1 Corinthians 3. And again, this is what Joe read out this morning. I'm just going to read from verse 9. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12, now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay and straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward If anyone's work is burnt, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through the fire. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, okay, we just had a picture of people making choices by how they feel. That will not endure, okay? When people are making choices by what they want, what they see fits, they're going to to live in... um, doing thing that satisfies them and void of what God's hope and heart is. And on the day that will be burnt up, the day will reveal it for what it is, the fire will go through it. And so Paul is making it clear in chapter 4, 7 to 16, as, as we've been going through, that from everything you've received, Christ in us, living from that place and doing from the place of, of love, the gifts he has given us in accordance to his will and his purpose, those works will stand the test of time. Those works, when the fire comes and burns through it, will remain. And that's why chapter 1 to 3, that affirmation of Christ, the church's position in him, is vital it is the source that we live from. Chapter 4 onwards, it's, the, it's now, now that you had that source of life in you, this is what the appropriate response looks like. It's stepping into his will, his purpose, knowing that my life now contributes or not to the purpose of God. So tonight I pray that we all um, walk away thinking deeply about our engagement here our engagement in what God is doing, the ultimate purpose, the eternal purpose, um, how we are contributing, not from the place of, oh, well, they're getting all strict now and they're calling us to do this and 
do that. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying for, for the love that you have received, the measure that you have been given out of appreciation and love for Christ, lay your life down. I'm going to leave it there. Father God, I, I thank you um, for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you. It is an eternal work. I thank you that um, we are hearing your higher call. And Lord, there is a pursuit um, of that call. And Lord, I just pray um, f- with everything you have given us, I pray we will all be enlightened to that, the wealth the wealth of your investment in us, Lord. Um, knowing, God, that it, it sometimes leaves us in a place of how can I ever pay you back? And the fact is we can't pay you back, but you do expect a return of your investments and not a return of flesh works and flesh ideas, but a return that is the reflection of your son. And I thank you that it's only by your power, your investment, are we able to become the reflection of your son. And that it it allows us to rest in your work, but to respond. It's a resting and a responding. And so I thank you, Father, that you have made a way. You have set us up, Father, for a win. You are... um, you are holding all hope for us to come into exactly what you're calling us into. And may, may we daily come before you and allow you to align us to you and your purposes, Lord. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people. And I thank you for the, the people you have gifted to us that are leading us. And I pray you bless them, Lord. And tonight we bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone.